you know, I've been a lot into this being fruitful thing lately and trying to help people understand that if you do a nine to five, that it's more than likely your vocations are calling. God's called you to what you're doing. And what you're doing in there is just as significant as any leader in a church, what he's doing. And it doesn't encompass church work. You know what? But you're, you're there nine to five, five days a week. Listen, you're, you're there to be a representation of Christ. That's what you've got to enjoy that and find joy in it and find mission in there and find purpose in that because it matters. I know too many Christians that are just, they can't wait for retirement to get out of that gig. And I'm like, don't miss oh, You're the, giving up your best, yeah. lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, you're you're passing up an opportunity. This is what God has, has like called you to do. And this is why you exist. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Okay, good to be back with you. I hope you had a good long weekend. If you're here in the United States, and depending on when you're listening to this, we just had Thanksgiving. And I'll tell you, as always here for Team K, our family, what a blast. It kind of bled into three days of celebration and rest and food and fun with family and close friends and some new friends and some people of peace. I love it. I really do. What a display, what an experience of the gospel in action. It really felt like that. And I've just been hearing back from people in the days since then how much fun they had too and how blessed they all were. So thank you, Dad. Thanks, God. That was amazing. Hey, I hope that you've joined us over on Facebook already. We have a group over there, the Everyday Disciple Podcast Group, and that's where I would love to hear from you if you've got ideas for new episodes or just some comments on the existing ones or whatever. You can find us there pretty easy. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook, or while you're in Facebook, just search up Everyday Disciple Podcast, all right? Another thing is, being this time of year and all, I know a whole lot of you have your small groups and missional communities kind of back into the rhythms of life. And I haven't mentioned it in a while, but our good friends over at Missio Publishing who help make the podcast possible, they've got some of the absolute best resources for community life and helping people grow in their understanding of the mission and growing in gospel fluency and out serving as communities together and all kinds of different things. So check it out. Go over to missiopublishing.com and you'll find a whole bunch of different resources, some great stuff that I think you're going to want. Okay, now we're going to get rolling. I got a very cool guest on today. His name's Tim McIntyre, and he and his wife, Camille, have served for years at Oasis Church on Staten Island in New York City. And Tina and I met them when we were living there in Manhattan, and it was unfortunately kind of right at the end of our time living there, but God knew he had something for us and knit us together pretty immediately. I was like, oh, I love these people, and I love this guy. We were instantly pals, and Tina and I had the privilege to coach them as a cup for a few years then, and we've become really close friends. And so after I released that episode a few weeks back, it was called, Is Bivocational Ministry the Future for Leaders?, Tim had hit me up and said, hey, I'm digging that episode and all. And I asked him if I could talk with him for the podcast, and that's what you're going to hear today, about his second job. 
his second job that's outside of his long-term full-time pastoring at Oasis. Because I was with him back in New York just a few months back, and he had just finished up a part-time job in the city, and his heart was exploding. I'm not kidding you. He was so energized for ministry and life and people. It was palpable. I could see it on him. He was so passionate. And I thought that would be a really good follow-up to that other episode, letting you hear Tim's passion for life and ministry as he lives this bivocational or co-vocational lifestyle with great joy. He really does. You're going to love Tim's heart and you're going to love his New York accent. (laughs) It's amazing. Take a listen to our conversation, and then I'll be back to give you the big three takeaways for today and wrap things up. Here we go. So, Tim, thank you for being on with me, brother. This is just personally fun because you and I don't get enough time to hang and catch up. So that's right. Yes. Good to see you. I'm loving, I'm loving this. And I'm, I've already kind of let people know they're going to really enjoy your accent. You are who you are. How many generations is it on Staten Island there? You know, my mom and I were just talking about this this past week, and I think it goes back to 1800s. So we've been on the island on the, in the city for a while, a few generations. Wow. I'm guessing yeah. there wasn't the Staten Island Ferry when your grandma first got there. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was totally different. Yeah. Well, Tim, I, I really am excited to have this conversation in light of what's been going on in with the church and all. And you and I were together, I don't know, several months ago now. It wasn't too long ago, but in your stomping grounds out there in New York and both in the city and in Staten Island. And you had just you had just come off of doing a short-term sort of Bivo gig working for an Amazon store or something like that. And as yeah. you talked about your experience with that, you you got so excited <laughs> about yeah. just those relationships and what it was doing in your own heart and all that. But real real quick before we get into that, just give folks a little bit more of an idea of what's going on there on the island as a pastor and and just the the real short story of the rhythms uh, of the of the church there in that community because your church is right there in the neighborhood I'm standing. Yeah, well, the last couple of years like most churches, you know, COVID has sort of kicked us in the shins to put it politely. And so like just about every church, you know, we've seen people who have who left, you know, when we had the pause and went virtual uh, and then for whatever reason, some people left New York City because the mandates were kind of strict and kind of harsh. Uh, some people just stepped out of church life or regular uh, rhythms of church life and never came back. Uh, it was a time of, it was difficulty uh, financially having to, pe- you know, let people know that the church is still, you know, we still have insurances to pay. We still have bills to pay, still have salaries to pay. And so we also, that was also tough was the, the, the financial strain. And uh, but they come out of COVID. We have a really tight community, as you know. Our people are really uh, just yeah. a loving Christmas community. It's a beauty. It really is. Yeah. That's a reflection of you and Camille, though. That's your hearts, and it flows. And yeah. Well, we yeah we love the people we shepherd, and we know they love us. So we were able to bounce back, bounce back in a way. I think uh, at least we were glad to get our feet back on the ground again and um, start just start really gathering again. You know, a lot of our people are we call them seasoned saints. You know, fifty and over. <laughs> uh, they were they were the ones that were the least likely to want to reconvene in our small groups and uh, whatever else we were doing. But slowly we've gotten we got back to that. We got back to to meeting again. So it's almost as if we're replanting the church. And um, in many ways, I've been really speaking about that. And it, it has to involve a more missional focus. As much as we love people through prayer and uh, through provision during COVID, but the difficulty was getting around people because even people in our community 
you know, everybody shut their doors and hunkered down. You know, New York got hit hard in the beginning of the pandemic. Sure did. And uh, sure people did. were, people were afraid. And so, you know, that missional aspect of our church fell off considerably because we have such a reach into our community. We've got such a great reputation here with everything that we do. Um, you know, for those of you listening, they, they have their church building, which is great. And it's quite multi-purpose, but it's got a beautiful yard and kind of party pit thing going out there and twinkle lights and their, their house is right there too. Cause it's in a neighborhood. It's not like, you don't have to go find this church. Your challenge will be finding parking because everybody's home watching the game on Sunday morning or, <laughs> yeah, that, that's and they're, part. and they're just baked in there. You're just baked in your neighbors for a zillion years. You know, everybody coming and going, they all know you. And from, from, you know, hurricanes and other natural disasters. And now the COVID thing, like you guys are there and everybody knows that you're not going anywhere and, and you're both friends, but you're also family to everyone and yeah. a, a light, a true light of gospel there. And it's not perfect. I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> everything's yeah, so perfect. Totally. But it's oh, yeah, the no. real deal. It's in many ways, it is a community church that I think a whole lot of people kind of long for in that sense. And yet, right. no, in your heart, you're always, there's enough profit in you. There's enough unholy angst for what could be yet and and what yeah. else and how do we, how do we even lead differently? And, and I think that's yeah. part of what I was hearing from you is when we were together last and you were telling me a little bit about that short-term gig you had. And I was like, man, I, I, I wonder where this is going to lead. Is this going to lead to Tim? saying, hey, it's time to pass that on because I'm just going to get straight back into working and making disciples of the people we're in neighborhood and work with or or what. But now you've kind of made this shift. I saw a picture of you posted on the internet the other day. I had to go, hey, what's going on? And you were wearing a very familiar looking outfit. <laughs> yeah. You tell folks- The orange what, apron. Yeah, t- the orange apron. Tell, tell folks now, uh, when did you start that? And what are you doing? What's this new sort of part-time yeah. bivocational, co-vocational gig you got? Yeah, well, once we came, once we started reconvening and gathering the church again, you know, my wife and I just really, uh, we thought about our future, uh, being a full-time pastor for a number of years in the church that we planted. We started as being Bivo until the church could afford to uh, put us on full-time as a full-time staff member. Um, but now we've seen the shift. We've seen the shift in the way church is being done, uh, the way we gather, the way we do life together, everything, the whole virtual thing, online. And we just really sat down and, and had a, a bunch of conversations about our future. You know, where's the church going to be in a few years? What's that going to, how's that going to affect us financially? So my wife's been working for a few years. She took a, she went to school and studied a little bit to become a CNA, certified nursing assistant. She worked in a nursing home for a bit. Uh, that kind of beat her up though. She's a small gal and hoyering uh, <laughs> the elderly kind of got her back uh, out of joint. And so now she just uh, takes care of a couple of, uh, one one woman right now uh, in her home. Mm. But I needed to do something else. I've always done um, carpentry and some level of construction. My family is a construction family. So when I needed money on the side, I'd pick up my tools. I'd do a deck for someone. I'd do a kitchen for someone, uh, whatever, you know. And then people know, knew about me. Hey, can you do this? Yeah, I can. Uh, so I did that for a while. Last year, um, I just, I didn't want to, I got to a, I had a mild heart attack actually <laughs> when I was doing I the deck. Yeah. And uh, I realized after that, you know what, I'm not an old guy, but the hustle of trying to run a small business with trying to find help and a vehicle, I just said, I can't do this anymore. So I turned in my tools uh, and I decided to pursue retail. And uh, one of the first jobs I, I applied for was Amazon Books. Amazon had retail bookstores until March of this year. They shut them all down. And it was a seasonal position, uh, Columbus Circle in Manhattan, which you know, 
Uh, yep. We love Manhattan, my wife and I. We'd like to land there. It's my old neighborhood part. right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Columbus Circle, uh, and I got the job at the retail bookstore, and I, I loved it. I loved it there. You know, a little bit of money helped. But what I love more than anything, uh, after being in full-time ministry in an office uh, with another staff person and kind of just like you feel almost as if you're, let me use the word cloistered, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and then going out from here home. I live in the Parsonage, short walk home, you know, not that much interaction. As much as we reached into the community, it wasn't about like doing life with people anymore and really being involved in people's lives. Well, when I started at Amazon, um, very quickly, I realized like, I sort of came alive. There was something in me that kind of sparked yeah. because um, I would go early. There was a Starbucks across the street. I'd have a coffee, get myself prepared for the day, do some reading, go in and just serve people, uh, you know, customer service. I mean, really, you know, equipping us, what does the Bible say? The works of ministry, the work of service, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about serving people, loving people, showing people kindness. And I just, that job just did something to me. I loved that job. Not only that, but my coworkers, um, just being able to, uh, you know, go in every day and be around other people or whatever it was every other day. And uh, I realized how much, it, how much importance it played in my life as a full-time paid uh, minister, pastor. Right. It, someone told me, my sister-in-law came up to me. She's a member of our church. And uh, about maybe, I don't know, a couple of months in, she goes, your, your speaking on Sunday is different, she said. Mm. There's something different, she said, in what you're bringing. And I, I was like, really? I was like, I wonder what that is. I still, I don't know, something was there. <laughs> yeah. But I just love mixing with, with people in that capacity again. Uh, it was something I hadn't done for a while. And, and you know, it, it's this whole idea of, we talk about witness, you know, Acts, Acts 1A, Jesus said, you know, you're going to receive power, you do my witnesses. And. For many times, I, even I know as a pastor would tell people, oh, you got to go into, you got to go into work. You got to proclaim the gospel. You got to preach the gospel. You got to witness to people. You got to get them to make a decision, you know, all of that. And, and I just found just, just being present, proximity, right? Presence and proximity. Yeah. I heard, I heard someone once say, be the best example of a human being that someone will see in their day. And so, you know, that's the Christ in us. And, and that's what I did. And that's how I, I just, whether it be a customer, whether it be a coworker, uh, and, and I love that job. And uh, sadly they closed <laughs> Amazon. When we were together, you had just kind of quit doing it and you were both stoked and so disappointed. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> and I know you weren't Amazon, getting rich from it, but it was what it was doing in all. your heart. It was what it was exactly. doing for you. Yeah. It did more for me that, you know, on that side of it than it did financially. You know, the, the money helped, but it was just, um, just again, being, being present in people really, I was just talking with a buddy of mine this morning about how, you know, I think some of the mistakes the church has made with the whole missional thing is that, um, it, it, it got back to, you know, we have to do, you know, let's do this missional thing as a church, right? Let's do this missional thing. And I think what the, with these jobs have taught me is you don't do it. You just, you just be, just be missional, <laughs> It's not something we do. It's like, yeah, you because know, then churches, what do we do to be missional? Oh, we're going to go and hang out at the cigar bar. We went and did that, you know, or, or you know, what, we're going we're gonna to go do this. But Tim, the, and, one of the big differences for you and Camille is that you have grown in your gospel fluency over the last bunch of years. Mm -hmm. And we've spent years on that journey together and coaching yes. and all that. But wherever you are, you are good news. And you're looking exactly. for the thing behind the thing. And yeah. that's not everybody. So just for everybody to say, well, I'm out there just being, 
But if they right. don't know how the good news speaks into all of life, then they're right. just, or their own life, <laughs> chances yeah. are they're not good news in anybody or discipling people. Speaking of that, let me let me ask you one question. I just want to put a pause. I'm loving where your story is taking us here. What do you think the thing behind the thing with your heart here is? I, you're telling me what you're enjoying and how it's affecting your life and your even your pastoring and preaching and stuff like that. What do you think the thing behind the thing for Tim is, for Pastor Tim, for just Tim, the brother, the dad, the husband? What is it, if not from a do to be, you know, like I'm doing that, so now I, I get this accolade, but what do you think the thing behind the thing that, why is it turning your heart on so much? I, well, I think we're called to, to be around people. Like we, we have to, we need to find ways to be around people. And I think sometimes for myself as a full-time pastor i had to try to find those times let me let me somehow do something to get around people yeah. whereas the rhythm of life became okay i was at amazon three days a week so i was i was around people yeah uh, it just, it, and i know pastors created, are all thinking right now i'm around people all day but yeah it's all problem solving and program running and yeah and then you yep. isolate to work on your message and that's not the best way to create that either because now exactly you know, how's that yeah. Like when are you around the folks in your neighborhood or in your city, I, yep. right? And experiencing what they're really experiencing. I, I think one of the crazy things for Tina and I, when we kind of came out of the larger institutionalized megachurch staffing jobs, and then like when we moved out here and the way we were living with Soma and the way we still live in community was realizing what people really do face and what they really do fear and the things that are really on their hearts and just getting to be a part of that and say, I face some of those same things. It's not that yeah. different because of our role on church staffs or whatever like that. And you start right. to start to see uh, a consistency of, you know, humans aren't that different. They really, right. really aren't. But when yeah. we're in a bubble, when we're in a bubble, we're really talk about our programs and who's, who's signed up and who's supposed to be here. And like, they didn't show up. Who can we call? Who, how do we fix that? That's not the same. That's not the same right. as life on life happening. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I said to I said to my wife the other day. I said, you know, like when you so now the new gig I started at Home Depot in September. Um, Amazon graciously paid everyone who lost their job when they shut down the retail stores until July. So the store closed in March, but I got paid a couple of days worth of salary till July. So yeah, that was pretty good. Sweet. Um, and then I started looking. I started looking for more another bookstore job, and of course the one to go to is Barnes and Noble. And they have a handful of stores all over Manhattan. I said, oh, let me get a Barnes & Noble job. I figured the experience at Amazon, get me in. Uh, haven't, been able to, haven't been able to get through with, them, with uh, Barnes & Noble. One on one interview, didn't get it. All the others, they say they can go with another candidate. So I just started applying for jobs. Landed Home Depot. Um, was surprised at the way I landed it because a lot of these places, now you just take some kind of online assessment and then they hire you. You don't even go for an interview. They tell you hired. Huh. And that was the end. I was hired. And uh, it's interesting because I guess my skill set in that assessment put me at the pro sales desk. Now, the pro sales desk, if you're familiar at Home Depot, is yeah. you deal with contractors, professionals. You're helping them place orders. Um, you're helping them get materials, you know, large, you know, large orders of materials on a given day, so on and so forth. So my construction background, uh, this is how the father knows exactly what he's doing, played so greatly into this that it was, it was the perfect role for me. I mean, they could have stuck me in paint. But no, I'm at the pro sales desk where all the lumber is and all the building materials. And I can, you know, explain things to people who don't know. And so um, since I've been there, again, it's just been so incredible to be mostly same thing with Amazon and Home Depot. I'm, I'm the elder statesman of the team. It's all younger people. Okay. 
and so, um, you know, they're, I call them kids, you know, they're 30s, 20s, 30s, you know. And I said to my wife, I said, something happened so much quicker here at Home Depot than it did at Amazon, where I've been able to have such great conversations. Not so much faith, yes, but also life. And I told my wife, I said, you know, we understand what, what the Lord has called us to do, where he's placed us to do it. The whole idea of us being a witness and having to, you know, proclaim and all of that stuff. I said, what happens is if you're just around people enough, frequency and so on, the brokenness that's in this world simply opens up opportunities for them to talk. Yeah. Because all, every one of us, you know, even us that are journeying in Christ, there's still some brokenness. We need, we need the Lord to, to heal us. And people that are still journeying toward faith or outside the faith, you know, the brokenness comes, it comes out. You don't even have to solicit it. Just having personal conversations with two or three people, suddenly you'll start to hear and you'll start to see. I just found out one of our coworkers, I didn't even realize it. I thought he was the little ashen as a young man. And I asked another gal the other day, I said, hey, I noticed that, you know, so-and-so, he, is he okay physically? And she said, well, he, he had a battle with cancer. You know, he has a port now, he had chemo. And so he's still like, and I didn't know this. It didn't get to that point in any conversation. Wow. Uh, but yet she and I, we're ready, we're ready to go out. He was like, I want to hang with you. Let's go out. Let's go, uh, you know, let's go out. Uh, and so it, that's the thing. Everyone's, you know, the, 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 the stuff of life that people deal with. Uh, sooner or later, it just comes out. And and here's the thing. If we are in a position where we, this is my wife and I, this is our prayer every morning. It's worked out where she can drop me off at Home Depot before she goes to her gig. Our prayer is, Lord, um, today, let us be fruitful in everything we do. Let us just be fruitful. Let us bear fruit for you. Uh, let us be kind. Let us be generous. Let us be gracious. Give us opportunities just to share your love and who you are. And And I've seen that happen you know, time and time again. And uh, it wouldn't happen if I, if I weren't there. And, you know, my wife's always the one that says, now you know why. Like, you know, when I give birth to her, now you know why. Now you know why you're there. Yeah. Like this, God, God placed you in that position. Why not Barnes & Noble? Well, I don't know, but he does. Yeah. And so, I'm, and I'm there for this, this crew of people right here, this little group of people, you know, on our team, uh, five or six of us. And they know I'm a pastor because it comes out, you know, sooner or later, I, I have to, you know, let them know that that's my other gig. You know, one the guy gig, asked me, what do you, what, go ahead, what? The gig has been had. They figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. One guy, he's a driver. He drives the forklifts and he said, Tim, why are you working here? Like, you know, I guess I don't look the type. Like I'm a little old. Why are you working? So I told him, I said, I have another job. I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, you're a pastor. He goes, oh man. He goes, I better clean up my language around you, man. I said, hey, bro, listen, no big deal. He says, no, no, it's like respect. He goes, I wouldn't use this language around my grandma. I'm not going to use it around a pastor. I said, so be it. But so yeah, be it. <laughs> so be it. you know, but, the, but it's just, it's, you know, I enjoy going to work because I know, um, not only the, the team, but also customers, Yeah, you know, there's just people who come in, they're frazzled, you know, contractors are uptight and not getting their stuff just to be able to, you know, soft one of my verses that I lean on in, in retail, since I've been in retail is a soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> no because kidding. People have this, you know, idea in retail that they're the only one shopping and, you know, you got to stop everything to help the person, you know, to help them. Uh, and it's but, all your fault because you're the guy on the other side of the counter. Exactly. It's all my fault, you know. So it, it's, I look forward to going for those reasons. You know, you know really what this sounds like, Tim? This reminds me of, I don't, I don't remember where I saw it exactly, but maybe six months ago, I, I saw somebody uh, that I follow online and he had a picture with, um, 
uh, I think it was John Maxwell or something like that. And and he said, someone asked him a question like, hey, what's your, like, what's before you get your feet hit the ground in the morning, John, what do you pray? What are you asking God? He's like, I'm asking God, how, how can I uh, add value to someone's life today? And yeah, every person cool. I come in contact with, how do I add value to their life? Yeah. And I love that. And to me, that is right. so gospel. Because if you think about what did Jesus come to do? He came to put a shoulder under the weight of our sin and yeah. lead us to freedom with the Father, right? Spiritual freedom and then relational peace. Like, how do I add value to your life? You're coming in like you were just saying. That's what made me think of it. They're coming in all stressed out, you know, and they're like, ah, and you're the guy. And they just need to vent. And, and, yeah. and I, I just, I, that's what I hear is like, you're there being you're right. being the son of God, you're, the kingdom of God's with you. It's flowing around. And now is this right on, is this right on Staten Island then? So this is your community. Yeah, this is on Staten Island. Yeah, this is, it's, it's a little, it's, and there is one closer to me, but this one's on the other side of the island. But gotcha. I, I see people I know all the time, you know, it's, Staten Island's a small island. I bet. Now yeah. let me, let me ask you any downsides. You can be honest, any downsides to like having this sort of second gig that you're finding with your pastoring and all that? I think the only the only downside I have is um, it's much more. You got to pay more attention now to how you use your time to do the things that still need to be done uh, for the church. So um, you know, I still have to prepare for to, you know to present uh, a study for for uh, you know Sunday morning. There are other things that are still happening sure. that I need that I need to attend to um, some administrative things, but just. So it's it's not getting overwhelmed, you know. The, part of the issue is this. So yesterday I worked a nine to six shift at the depot. I came home. My wife had had dinner ready. I had dinner. I sat down and watched about forty five minutes of a documentary I'm watching on New York City, and I fell asleep in the chair. That was watching. So I said, "Gee, I'm falling asleep." I went upstairs and I said, oh, "Let me just lay down and close my eyes for a little bit," and probably woke up about two o'clock in the morning. Nice nap, so, right? I, nice <laughs> night. <laughs> So I'm saying to myself, wow, like, you know, working nine to six because we're on our feet, really. We, we can't sit much, you know, um, you know, ten. so last night I was planning to do something other than sleep when I got home. So I'm finding now, like today I was off. So I really had to put myself, you know, get up early and I'm going to get to the, the tasks I had planned that I need to do uh, for the life of the church. So I think that's the, that's the, uh, the challenge for me. And I'm only part-time. I was there for two weeks. Um, and they offered me a full-time position. Uh, and so um, I, I, I considered it uh, for a little while, but it would have been 40 hours, nine to six, five days a week. Ooh. And uh, I had right after I, the day they asked me, the next day I think I had a nine to six, and I texted my wife and I said, there's no way I could do this full-time. I would not have any time to do anything else. Um, so um, for me, it has to be, it has to be a part-time uh, gig. Yeah. So that's the real challenge. The challenge is balancing you know, making the most of the time you have the downtime. And as your brother too, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, be careful that you don't have like zero time for your local community because well, I'm either, I'm either doing church stuff and prepping and this and that and having those few meetings I need. And they're all jammed into a few days now. And then I'm at the depot. So I've got to rest at some point. I got to see my wife on date night. So now I'm not in community with the neighbors and the other folks from the church and all that. So just be careful with that, you know? Yeah. Well, we, um, one of our favorite pizzerias, I don't know, I probably took you there at one point when you were around here, Goodfellas. I don't know if I was taking you there. He moved his location. He's got a really nice location now. He's got a full bar area. He's got the big screens for the football nice. and whatever. 
And uh, we, we went there a few times already. The owner was a great guy. We actually prayed for him. He was nervous about his uh, the business opening up. And uh, we went to see it, to place a, a catering order. And my wife, ever being the uh, the one that goes after it hard, she says, can we pray for you? And we prayed for him. And he was very grateful for that. So my wife and I were saying, hey, we don't have a local place that we, you know, drop in on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Like, what a Let's go to Goodfellas. The new, the new joint is happening, you know, so get some time around people, you know, again, uh, in the community so we don't neglect, you know, that as well. But that, that's definitely been the biggest challenge, just bouncing yeah. now. Well, Tim, know. this is also, I, and I know you're not doing it for this, but we're really good friends as, as people are starting to figure out. I, I, I want to tell you, this is pretty humble of you, though, because I, I know a lot of, a lot of leaders, a lot of pastors would never do it either because, well, you know, we're a smaller church. We could kind of use the income or, you know, the benefits or whatever. Um, but also for the real heart reason that you're doing it for what it's doing to you and, and, and reconnecting your heart to people and everyday, all that stuff, everyday needs and life um, that there's a humility to that. Let me ask yeah. you this. Is it, is it weird at all when the other pastors in your life are saying, you're doing what you're working at the depot. What's going on? Is it your can't pay you? Yeah. Not, but, uh, there's, you know, there's got, you've been pastoring a long time. So any of that yeah. creep up in your heart or head ever, you know, um, no, no, I'll tell you why not. Because you know, the financial stuff, I don't have any problem explaining that it's been difficult for everybody. You know, yeah. um, now we got as far as now we got a recession. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, you know, so it, it, that's not really a, that's not. I don't feel you know in any way you know like oh yeah they can't pay us anymore. Like, no, not worry about that. The other side of it is I would I would gladly have a conversation about the um, the benefit of it, like what it's done, like what we've been talking about, what it's done in me, you know, as a pastor and as a leader. I I think I posted on social media maybe at some point when I was at Amazon. So every pastor should take a year sabbatical and not go away and just relax, but get a job, get a job outside the church for a year, <laughs> even if it's part-time, you know, let that be a sabbatical, like go out and get among people again, you know, let's be reminded. And, and here's another thing that I've learned uh, that, that, that really just blew my mind here. You know, I've been a lot into this uh, fruitful, being fruitful thing lately and trying to help people understand. That if you do a nine to five, you know, it's more than likely your vocations are calling. God's called you to what you're doing. And what you're doing in there is just as significant as any leader in a church, what he's doing. And it doesn't encompass church work. You know what? But you're, you're there nine to five, five days a week. Listen, you're there to be a represent, you know, representation of Christ. That's what you've got to enjoy that and find joy in it and find mission in there and find purpose in that. Because it matters. I know too many Christians that are just, they can't wait for retirement to get out of that gig. And I'm like, don't miss. Oh, you're the giving up your best, <laughs> lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're passing up an opportunity. This is what God has, has like called you to do. And this is what he's, you know, this is why you exist. Like, you know, this, because you can't, you're not called to be church work. I, I was listening to your, your earlier podcast, you know, about these young guys that, you know, go to seminary and they want a job in a local church, you know, and they get disappointed and it, you know, it, it's a short time that you're there and you, know, you serve, you know, um, there's so much more to be doing. And I even, I even started rethinking since I've been, you know, a temp maker now, again, I've been rethinking what we call our people to on the weekends uh, at the local church, because I know we've been guilty of saying, well, we're doing this Friday night and then Saturday we've got this going on, you know, and then don't forget Sunday, you know, so we jam pack the weekends. Yeah. with church activities and and then yet 
you know, for me, I'm like, I just worked five days a week. I want to rest on Saturday. Wow. Don't, don't bring any conviction on me that I didn't come to the church picnic or the church outreach on Saturday yeah. because I'm, I, and I've, I am guilty of this. I've done this in the past. Mm. And, and I say, man, I want to value people's time on the weekends. You know what? Let's gather. Why are we doing it during the week? Why aren't we sharing a meal? Why do we have to, you know, again, get people to a place for an event when we could just be doing it five, six, seven days a week? Yeah. outside the, 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 the building. No kidding. No kidding. Well, we get to, right? Well, yeah. Tim, I, I wanted to give you this opportunity to share your heart in this because I know a lot of people are going to hear this that need to and want to, and both pastors, but also what you were just saying, our, our brothers and sisters that aren't vocationally paid to work at the church. And there's, I've talked about it before. I talked about it a couple episodes back. There's these this sort of like two-tiered, vision of the church it's like those who are the super christians somehow make their way up the ladder and get paid and everybody else is just tolling away and trying to figure out how to make their regular jobs count for something until they can finally retire you know and then and then yeah. we just wait for heaven so we can pull the eject button and get off this planet and you're like no 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 the kingdom has come <laughs> and exactly. it's we're, we get to live in it and it's beautiful and this makes the whole thing I think for me I love it cuz I love you getting to hear this it makes it so much more beautiful again coming right out yeah. of just your own experience. So thank you so Absolutely. much for being willing to yeah. further humble yourself. I got I got one more humbling uh, favor to ask before I let you sure. go. Can you send me a, a, a really good, clear shot of you wearing the orange vest? Absolutely. I'll do that. I, you yeah. know, I saw that one on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, but it was like, it was yeah, all yeah. cut off. It was just like your chest. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. just give yeah, me yeah. a few silly shots, whatever, uh, Especially if you can send me one from the depot, that would be righteous. Maybe that breaks. That might break some sort of international uh, Home Depot law. But no, no, no. I'm not that big a podcast. Taking taking the vest off the off the premises would break Home Depot law. We can't take our vests off the premises. So our apron. Sorry. So I'll I'll take one tomorrow. An apron. The apron. You know, I say vest because my first full time job uh, while I was still going to high school. I worked at a retail establishment and this will really date me. Not even everybody will know this is, it was called Zare. Zare. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a worse version of Walmart. If you can believe that or Kmart, it was worse than Kmart. You know, Walmart didn't exist just yet. uh, Most of the country. Anyway, we all had to wear an orange vest, the same color orange and with our name on it. And they would put your pins on it for various things. Right. Yeah. And you know, I'm 17 or whatever. And outside the rules, I decorated my vest a little bit custom wise okay. and they never really appreciated that. But <laughs> so I always good. say invest. No, you send me a picture of that I'll maybe I, I'll share it in the podcast uh, group on Facebook. Okay. So yeah, people yeah. can, can I get just a finish just one verse that really, I, you know, I, I really lead into a lot with this kind of thinking is Ephesians 2.10 for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man. So how's that energize your heart as you and Camille leave the house each day? Yeah. I love that word workmanship. I think it's, it's poem in the Greek, like a poem. It's, it's the life God's composing in his people. He's composing our lives just the, just to see his providence and me getting Home Depot, getting pro sales, being in a department of things I'm experienced in. It's God's providence in that, uh, because I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that I put my hand to every single day, helping a, a contractor, encouraging my coworkers, uh, working on a team, whatever it is. And I always love the idea of God prepared beforehand. I like to put it this way. God knew he would need some good news people 
to do some good works in 2022 at 2501 Forest Avenue in Staten Island, New York at a Home Depot. He knew, he prepared beforehand some good news, good works people to be his representatives there. And that, that's what excites me. Wow, brother. I love it so much. I love you. Thanks for the time today. I like your day off from the depot. So I know you got to get back to message prep or something probably and Thanksgiving week and all that. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. I love you, brother. Thank you, man, so much. Say hey to Camille, all right? I will. God bless. Okay, man. I really love that guy. He is the real deal. And I trust that his journey and that just that story, getting to hear him for a little while, though, will be an encouragement to so many of you. God is so good. And by the way, if you want to get a look at what this guy looks like, Tim is actually in the picture for this week's episode. So if you go to the show notes or on your player in iTunes or Spotify or whatever, where there's a little picture next to every episode, that's Tim. You'll see him at work. <laughs> All right. Now, as always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's topic. If nothing else, you're not going to want to miss these. And as always, you can get a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. B-I-G-3. All right, here's the big three for this week. Number one, does your current ministry role and lifestyle help you realize and experience what people really do face and fear and the things that are really on their hearts, both believers and not yet believers? Do you have that? Does that include that for you? Our lives are not really that different because of our role on a church staff. People aren't that different. They really, really aren't. But when we're living in a bubble where we only talk about our programs and who signed up for what or who was supposed to be here and they didn't show up or how do we fix this or that church programming issue, that's not the same. That's not the same as life on life that God may want us leaders to experience with people. Number two, I love what Tim said right at the end there. He was quoting Ephesians 2.10 in the ESV. He said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hmm, awesome. Could it be that part of your calling, part of what God has prepared for you in advance to do for his glory may not be contained within vocational ministry, like within traditional church work? You bet. Is your heart open to that being a possibility? Well, we get to pray and ask him right now. Go ahead. And number three, in what ways may God be preparing you now or has been for a job outside traditional church work? Can you look back over your life for education and experiences and see that God has been preparing you for something other than what you're currently doing or in addition to what you're doing? I feel like every season of my life has been directly preparing me for what God was leading me to next. And I've absolutely loved and grown during every new season, which has helped me learn to trust him. And you can too. Trust our good father for what he is doing in you now, for what he plans to do with and for you for his glory in the future. Okay, there you have it. There's a lot in that conversation, but there's my big three takeaways. Well, that's it for today. I'm really glad that you were with me. Join me again next week. We're going to continue to dig deep into life in the gospel on mission, discipleship as a lifestyle, and I'll look forward to it. I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 